growing in God's Word, and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. God knows you better than you know you, and that's a principle that we have to learn, is that, you know, yeah, I think I know how I feel, or think I know how I can best be, you know, whatever. But it's learning that God actually really does know you better than you know you. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you weren't being utilized as well as you thought you could be? It might be at a job where your boss won't let you handle something you know you're qualified to do. It might be an athletic team sport where you knew if you could get a chance, you could be successful. All of us want to succeed and accomplish as much as possible in life. God wants us to succeed as well, and as we'll hear today, He knows better than anyone how to make that happen. Are you interested? In 2017, whatever's coming in your life, whatever obstacles you face, whatever obstacles this church faces, whatever obstacles your family faces, God has a certain prescription for how you are to handle those situations. Most everything I think of is already addressed in His Word, so you can go there. That's your first place. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Last week in our series entitled Alone, we began to explore the life of a young man named Gideon. God knew Gideon better than Gideon knew himself. Gideon thought he was a nobody from nowhere with too many limitations. But as Pastor Clay showed us last week, our limitations are simply God's opportunities. Impossible doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. It doesn't. Oh, it sure exists in our vocabulary, doesn't it? We're picking up where we left off last week, looking at the life of Gideon and God's purposes for his life. Gideon was still uncertain about whether he could do what God was asking him to do. But God was going to teach Gideon, and hopefully us as well, that he not only knows us better than we know ourselves, but he can use us better than we can use ourselves. Let's dive in and see what we find. What happens when we begin to feel like that it's God that kind of seems to be making things hard? What what happens when we feel like that it's God who's actually uh, leading us to do something? We feel like there's something he's told us to do in his word or something he's impressing upon us. But then when we try and work and move in that area and be that person or do that right thing, it seems like, man, it's almost like God's making it harder. I I don't know if you felt that way or not. I've felt that way sometimes in my life. And uh, so did, I think, a guy by the name of Gideon. Gideon is found in Judges chapter 6. It's in the book of Gideon's. Uh, Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to be looking at this story of Gideon. We're picking up where we did last week. If you did not or we're not here to hear last week's message or didn't catch the podcast, then I encourage you to go back and listen to that because it's really the first half of this story and uh, it will help. Uh, I think it'll help you. I hope it will. I, I will summarize it very briefly, but you really need to go back and hear that message if you want to kind of get caught up on that. Because what we said last week, Judges chapter 6 and 7 is where we're going to be. is where the story unfolds, this young man by the name of Gideon. And what we said last week was we started with this truth. And we said that God knows you better than you know you. And that's, that's a principle that we have to learn is that, you know, I, yeah, I think I know how I feel or this is, I think I know how I can best be, you know, whatever. But it's learning that God actually uh, really does know you better than you know you. And I won't reread it, but we read uh, Judges 6, verses 1 through 12. We kind of set the table and who Gideon was, this young man who's a farmer boy at a time when, when the Midianites and, and some of the other guys are coming down and attacking them and raiding parties. And 
all that kind of stuff. It's a very hard time. And it was as a result of Israel's sin. Israel had turned their back on God. They'd been disobedient to God. They had let false gods and false idols come into the land. And God was dealing with them, as God does. As I've said this a million times, as any loving parent does. When when they're trying to bring correction into their children's life. And so this was going on, and this and here's this Gideon, this young farmer boy, and uh, and God speaks to him, and He tells him, "I got planned for you. I'm going to use you. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna clean up this town, uh, so to speak. We're gonna get things in order." And uh, Gideon had some problems, and this is just highlight a couple of things that about it that Gideon struggled with. Um, Gideon failed to realize that your inadequacy is simply God's opportunity. That's what we said last week. Gideon's, and Gideon had some inadequacies. First off, beginning with his theology, his understanding of God. He, he, he underestimated God. He made, and I said this last week, he made the classic mistake of, of assuming that, that the, the absence of God's observable actions. Now, I don't know if this is exactly how I said it last week, but the, the absence of God's observable actions did not mean the absence of God's presence. Uh, in other words, Gideon said, well, okay, God, you just said you're with me, but you're with us. If you're with us, then why is this happening? Why is that going down that way? And why is all this happening? And why are we suffering? And why all that, right? Have any of y'all ever done that? It's like, God, what the world, right? What the world? God, I, I read in your word that you love me and, and you're with me and all this and that. But God, this is happening and that is happening. And Gideon assumed that because those things were happening, that must mean, well, God, God's not even here. God, God's not working. God's not doing anything. That's a classic mistake that any of us can fall into and we have to be careful of. So he was inadequate in his theology and he was inadequate in his faith. He, he, just, he, just, he just didn't believe it. When, when God says, here's what I'm going to do, and he says, oh, oh, God, you know, maybe, maybe you got your signals crossed or something because my family's real small. We're insignificant. We don't mean anything. And by the way, I'm even the youngest of my family. So clearly you've made a mistake. I'm paraphrasing. He said, clearly you made a mistake by choosing me. There's an inadequate faith of understanding that, that your inadequacies are simply God's opportunities to work in a marvelous and a powerful way. So uh, that was part of this idea that we looked at last week. And, and it went on to say uh, that your uncertainty meets God's clarity. And this, we're going to pick up some more on this today. But uh, Gideon was at a place in his life where he needed some clarity, not because, as I said, and I may say this again, not because he was stalling, but because he was crawling. He was just starting out in his faith. He was just learning. He'd never, never experienced anything like this before. So he's just figuring this out in what God is doing in his life. And so, and so God uh, is going to bring some clarity into Gideon's life. Okay, that was, that was last week. That's what we said, is that God knows you better than you know you. All right. Second idea this morning. God can use you better than you can use you. God can use you better than you can use you. And, and if you're thinking, and some people do, it's my life and my choices, and I can do it my way, and I can do that, and I can, I can do all this other kind of stuff. Yep, I'm just telling you, God can use you better than you can use you. We're gonna, let's, let's look at the story. We're going to look at it, uh, and I'm going to read in verses 25 and uh, what am I reading through? 27 of chapter 6. Y'all all right? You here? You good? How's the center section? All right? It's not bad, right? Come on. It's not bad. <laughs> um, now, and I know if you weren't here last week, I know we're kind of jumping into the story, but I think you'll, you'll pick up on it. Now, on the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's bull 
and a second bull seven years old and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. It either was on his father's land or his father was part of whatever the case is in this. Uh, take, take, take these bulls, <laughs> pull down the altar of Baal, uh, which is, belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner, and take a second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah, which you shall cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as the Lord had spoken to him, and because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. So, uh, God's been telling Gideon, he said, I've got some plans, going to use you, something I want to I do through you. And, and uh, you know, Gideon's a little nervous about this, he's not sure, and he's asked for a, a sign. And, you know, God, we talked about all that last week, God brings some clarity into it. But now it's, it's, it's where the, the old phrase, it's where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's time to start going with this. And, and uh, God says to Gideon, he said, Gideon, hitch, hitch up the team and pull it all down. I want it all out of here, get rid of all of it. It's time for it to go. Don't want it around here. Don't need it. Don't belong here in my land. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get rid of it. And so uh, Gideon's been given his orders, right? But did you, you notice in the text that it says that he's still afraid, right? He's still afraid. And so he waits until dark to do what God has asked him uh, to do. And, and maybe he's like, well, God really didn't say what time. So, you know, if I wait until it's after dark, right? But you understand, he, he's, he's still afraid. He's still got his fears. He's still got his doubts. He's still got his uncertainties uh, about how all of this is going to go down. And this is something that, that is really important that we understand. I think I've got a, a saying about it. Faith is not absence of fear. Faith is disobedience to fear. I don't know if I've ever said it that way before, but I've said this a lot of times. Faith is not absence of fear. Because I think sometimes people say, well, you know, I'm still afraid, so God must be waiting or God must not be. Faith is not the absence. If you're waiting, if you're waiting till you have no fear in your life before you step out in faith, you don't have any faith. That's that's not that's, that's what this is all about. It's not absence of fear. It's disobedience to fear. You see, fear, fear says to me, oh, 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 no, no. Cut down the Asherah pole. And I said the Asherah pole, by the way, was was a, uh, an idol, basically, a pole uh, to a fertility goddess by, by that name. And, um, uh, and it was right beside this uh, altar to Baal, who was a, a god, a deity, false deity of that region or that part of the world in that day. And, um, and, and fear says, well, are you kidding me? No, uh-uh, no. Do you know what they will do to you when they find out who did this? You can't... Do this. Gideon's... Sure, he's got his doubts, he's got his uncertainty, he's got his fears. He, he's got, I don't know how this is going to go. But faith is the ability to say, fear? Sure, I, I, I'm scared. I, I, I don't know how all this is going to play out. Now, I know God tells me that what he calls me to do, he'll provide for me to do. I, I know that up here, but, but I've still got my struggles, I've still got my uncertainties, but I, I still, I, I'm still uh, fearful of this. But I will not fear. I will not let you keep me from being obedient to God. I will push on into what God asks of me to do. That's what faith does in spite of fear. You understand? In spite of fear. It says, I'm going to move on. I'm going I'm to do this thing and be obedient to God. That's what it means 
to do this. You see, this, this principle that you and I have to learn, and it's simply this. Fear, uh, fear in my, is my enemy, but God is my authority. And so I will press on. Fear is my enemy, and it is, right? In anything you try and do, fear is always, right? Oh, no, you, you couldn't stand up in front of the class and do this. Oh, no, you, you couldn't possibly be a witness for Jesus Christ in this situation. Oh, no, you, we'll talk more about that. But, but God is my authority, right? God is my authority. And so I will choose to press on. Here's the principle. Here's what it looks like. Your hesitancy must yield to God's authority. Sooner or later, your hesitancy must yield to God's authority. When, uh, just to kind of summarize the story here, when the men get up in the morning and they see what Gideon has done, he's torn down uh, the, the altar to Baal, he, he, he's, he's torn, busted down the Asherah pole, cut down the Asherah pole, used the wood of the Asherah pole to, uh, to offer sacrifice to the Lord. When they see all this, men, they, they, are, they are outraged. And they're like, who did this? And uh, it, I'm sure it must have been a, a group of Baptists or something because somebody, goth, somebody gossips about it and lets the word out. Somebody said, oh, it was Gideon. Gideon did it. And so they demand, they, they, to demand Gideon's dad. They said, we get, get your son out here so we can kill him. And they're, they're, they're hot. They're ticked off. I love Gideon's dad's response to this. Even though the text says that this, that this altar belonged to him. I love his response. Look at the response. I think picking it up in verse 31. But Joash, that's Gideon's dad, shouted to the mob that confronted him. Why are you defending Baal? Listen to what he says. Will you argue his case? You're going to argue for a God? Whoever pleads his case will be put to death by morning. If Baal truly is a God, let him defend himself and destroy the one who broke down his altar. You understand what he's saying? If, if Baal is real... So it kind of tells you where Joash is in all this. If Baal is real, he can probably take care of the guy that tore down his altar. Am I shouting? <laughs> Sorry. I got you all up front right here. And I'm... From then on, Gideon was called Jerob Baal. Or sometimes people say Jerubbabel. Jerob Baal, which means let Baal defend himself. Because he broke down Baal's altar. I love that. I love that. Gideon's dad says, hey, if, if, this, if, if Baal is real, he can take care of himself. What are you trying to stick up for him? By the way, their reaction is so uh, typical, right? They've been crying out to God for help from the Midianites, right? Midianites are pressing them. They're, they're stealing their crops and their produce. and They're attacking them and, and pillaging them and, and I'm sure killing them in many cases. And, and so they've cried out to God for help. God responds by sending Gideon to take action, and they don't like it. Can I tell you, in 20 years of vocational ministry, I see that a lot. I see that a lot. I see people cry out to God, but then they're not happy with when, when God begins to move, not happy with the way God does it and what God does. So, so Gideon tears down the altar. The, the people are mad. And you know what? Maybe they're, maybe they're mad. This could partially, they could partially be mad because... Maybe they weren't ready to walk away from their sin. Sometimes we want help from God, but we're not ready to walk away from some sin in our life, whatever it is. That's possible for them, uh, particularly because uh, this Ashra worship oftentimes contains, contains some type of sexual component to it. And, you know, the group of men, maybe they just, maybe they just didn't want to wake from it. Maybe they didn't want to give up on it. Maybe they, maybe they weren't ready to get rid of it. But this is, this is, my, this is my thinking, okay? I, I've never read another 
commentator or anything said this, so you can take it for what it's worth. I think that they were ticked off at Gideon because they knew that it was going to tick off the Midianites. Because Baal and the Asherah were, were gods of the Midianites and the Amalekites. And because in verse 33, in the very next verse, look what it says. In the very next verse, it says, Then, then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. Up to this moment, it's, they, they'd send raiding parties, maybe an army here or there. But now it's the whole enchilada, baby. They all have packed up and crossed over the river and they have come into town and, and they, are, they, they are mad. I, I think, again, this is just me, I think God was picking a fight with the Midianites. I think that's what God was doing. I th- I, sure, he wants to purge the land, he wants to clean the land of false idols, but he's also fixing to purge the land of some Midianites. And so he does something that will absolutely enrage them. And they come over and here they come and, they, and, they, and they're ready to, to, to do war. They're ready to do battle. See, this is, this is, this is who we are. Our, uh, we, we, have to, we have to place ourselves. We have to yield to God's authority in our life. We just, we just have to do this. There's no, there's no getting around this. Look, this. look at this next thing I have in verse 36 to 40. Look what it says. Then Gideon said to God, well, if you will deliver Israel through me, because that's what God said to do. All right, you had me tear down the thing. I did it. Baby steps. If you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. And if there's dew on the fleece only and it's dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have said. And it was so. And he arose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece, he drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. That's a heavy dew, right? God, I, listen, I know I've already asked you, you know, and all this, but listen, now, now, now you're having me take on the Midianite army. They've come across in verse 33, right? They've come across, and the, and the Midianite army is huge. We'll get to that in a minute. It's huge. And it's like, God, oh my, I know you, you told me you're going to use me to lead, and we're going to destroy the Israelites. But listen, if you really are, really are going to do this with me, God, listen, let, me, let me throw this fleece down. And, uh, and, if it's, and, it, and if the dew falls night, but if the dew falls only on the fleece, but, but all on the ground around it, it's, it's dry. God, I, I know that's you. I, I know that's you. Bam! I mean, just, just squeezing out water, filling up a bucket full of water. Right? God shows himself. Man, God, was, is, there a, is there a hole in that roof up there? Was that, could that have possibly dripped? I don't, I don't. Listen, um, God, do not let your anger burn against me that, that I may speak once more. God, can I do it just once more? Please, let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece. And let there be dew on all the ground. And God did so that night, for it was dry only on the fleece. And the dew was on all the ground. You see, I, and I said this last week, there's a thin line... It's a thin line between testing God and resting in God. And I, I, I'm thinking Gideon must have been pretty close to that line. Gideon seems to think that he's pretty close to that line. When he says, no, God, God don't, you know, don't strike me dead. If I ask, if I use this fleece one more time, if I throw this fleece down one more time, Gideon seems to think he's close to the edge. But here's the deal. And I said this last week, God, God, God knows our hearts. And what he calls us to do and the, and the difficulty of what he's called us to do and what he's about to call him to do is unbelievably difficult. And that may play into how... How God allows for some of this 
testing kind of stuff to go on. God knows Gideon's heart. And as I said earlier, God knew that Gideon wasn't uh, stalling. God knew that Gideon was actually crawling. And I asked you that last week, that in your own life, in circumstances and obedience to God in certain areas of your life, if, if you look inwardly, if you do introspection, can you look at that some, th- something you're struggling with, sharing your faith, uh, trusting God with your finances, uh, uh, being who God's called, whatever it might be. When you look at your life, and, and, and if you're if you're not moved forward in that, you've got to ask yourself, am I stalling? Am I, really, am I just stalling? When I keep looking for God to do something. God knew that wasn't the case with Gideon. He knew, so, and so God grants his request. But here's the deal. In Gideon's life, and in our life, sooner or later, fleece-throwing season has to come to an end. You understand what I'm saying? Sooner or later, we have to yield to God's authority in our life and move forward in faith, probably carrying our fear with us, but move forward in faith. There comes a point where we have to stop testing and we have to begin resting in God and letting God be God in our lives and believing him in spite of our fears, in spite of our doubts, in spite of the size of the army, which we'll look at in just a moment. It's moving forward in that fleece throwing season has to come to an end. Okay, what do I got next? We must submit to God's authority in our lives or else we must stop calling him our God. I know that sounds kind of harsh, probably. We must submit. To, there comes this place where we, we either have to submit to God's authority in, in what he says in his word, in wh- whatever area it is. And you, can, and you know right now in your own heart, in your own mind, something that perhaps that you're struggling with or you've had trouble with or, or letting go of or, or giving into or whatever. There comes some place where we have to say, all right, God, I, I, I will submit to your authority. Or just stop calling him God. Now, now he is God. Whether, whether you recognize him as God or I recognize him as God or anybody recognizes him as God, he's still God regardless of that. But you and I have to stop calling our Lord if we're not actually going to do what he says. And, and you know this, probably many of you know this, is exactly what Jesus said uh, in uh, Luke chapter 6. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? That's just dumb. Besides disrespectful to God. Oh, Lord, go great and mighty, Lord God. You are awesome, and, and, and I'm so grateful I'm your child. I'm never going to forgive this person over here for hurting me, but I'm, I'm so grateful that you're my God. Even though your word says, forgive as I have forgiven you. God, I'm never going to, whatever, fill in the blank, right? So there, there has to come this place where, where we're going to submit to his authority Fleece-throwing season is over, and, and we let him be Lord of our, our life. That's where we are. Uh, okay, let, let's go on to the second one. Your impossibility is swallowed up by God's enormity. You see, this is when we get to the good stuff. You've got to do the first one. You have to submit to God's authority in your life. You have to. But when we do... When we begin to get it right, when we begin to say, all right, I'm, gonna, I'm going to be this person God has called me to be. I'm going to be this, this father or this uh, wife or this uh, person at work or this, or I'm going to begin to act this way or, or I'm, I'm going to begin to, uh, whatever. This is when we get to the good stuff, when we get to that place. I'm going to be my, the witness at, at school that God has called me to be. I'm going to be at workplace. I'm going to engage in this. I'm going to, it doesn't matter All right, your impossibility is swallowed up by God's enormity. Now, let me just to kind of summarize again the the story. Um, uh, In chapters, it moves on in chapter 7, Gideon gathers an army, 
right? God said, we're going to take on the Midianites, going to take them out. And so Gideon does what you would naturally think to do. All right, send out word. We need, we need, we need to get the posse together. And 32,000 men come. 32,000 men come to, to do battle. Not bad. The problem is the enemy has 135,000 men. That, I, I'm, I'm no mathematician or statistician, or, but I'm pretty sure that's not very good odds. And it's about to get worse because, look what the text uh, says in the um, next verse. We got it. Computers can be difficult. The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. For Israel become boastful, saying, my own power has delivered me. Look what we did. We're Israel. Look what we did. They had 135,000. We had 32,000. We kicked their... Yeah. God says, that's, 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 not, that's never going to happen. People that are with you are too many. Right? Gideon, young guy, growing his faith. God's been bringing him along. He's been, been clarifying for him. But you know, you know, if, at least me, in that moment, I'm like, looking down in that valley, I'm Lord, you want to you take a second look here? I, and I, maybe some of them were in the tents when you were counting or something, but there's a lot of them down there. Lord, no, it's, 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 it's too many. You got, you got too many. And so, uh, in verse, first part of verse 4, uh, well, I guess I, I should say, God says there are too many. Uh, gather, go, go to all of them and say to them, I guess I should say that, uh, go to all of them and say, hey, y'all 32,000. Any of y'all that are afraid, go back home. I'm surprised I didn't all leave. Because I, I don't know of anybody that wouldn't be... I mean, you may muster up the courage. You may move forward in battle. But it's got, those of y'all that have been in battle, it's got to be fearful, I would think. I'm fearful just when I get in trouble with my wife. So I can't imagine. Was that so? so, so any, any of y'all that are afraid, cut out. 22,000. How many are there to start with? 32,000. 22,000 are out of there... Faster than a toupee in a hurricane. They are, they are gone, man. They are out of there. So, 32,000 to 135,000. It's roughly four to one. Not very good odds. Now, it's... Did I say that right? 32,000 to 130. Now, it's 10,000 to 135,000. Verse 4. The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water. And I will test them there for you. No, really, Lord, it's, it's not, not necessary. No, really, I, we're, we're good. No, and I, I, I can't get into all of it, but uh, it, it's kind of weird how God does it. The, who, who laps water like a dog and who does other? But by the time he's done, right? By the time he's done, God has reduced the army down to how many? Y'all have read the story? How many? 300 men. 300 men. <laughs> First, first it's, first it's uh, four to one. Mm, uh, that's, it's going to be tough, but we're Israelites. Then it's going to be roughly, it's about, yeah, 13 to one. Thank y'all. <laughs> that's, come on, it's thir- thir- 13 bad guys for every one good guy. I think at that point we could say, nah, that's, that's pretty much impossible. Now it's 450 to one. That's. That's stupid impossible. That is stupid impossible. And God looks at it and says, yep, yeah, that's about right. Now we're ready. You see, that, 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 that's what God does. 
That's who he is. He's trying to reveal to us just how he can work and how he can move and how he can do it. And I said this at the Christmas Eve service. It's coming to that place where we understand that impossible doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. It doesn't. Oh, it sure exists in our vocabulary, doesn't it? Oh, I, I go to school and live for Christ. I, I, oh, I could never do that. That, that would be impossible. You don't, you don't know my school. You're right. I don't know anything about it school or work i mean i'm the only person at at work that even remotely looks like a follower of jesus there is no way i could go there and be christ-like and and perhaps even think about inviting someone to lunch and sharing what my testimony with that i'm just not that kind of person i can't that would be that's impossible for me oh uh, i i could i i could i could never I could never tithe. Oh, I know that's a biblical concept, but, but I could never do it. I've got too many bills. That, that would be absolutely impossible for me. Impossible exists in our vocabulary, but it sure doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. That's what he's saying. Listen, 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 listen. Four to one, 10 to one, 13 to one, 451, a million to one. It doesn't matter with God. It doesn't make any difference. He's God. Listen, I want, I want to tell you something. I want to give you something, if I, and, and, and I hope that you'll remember this. I hope, you'll, I hope you'll write it down, put it on your refrigerator, or put it on your uh, bathroom mirror, or put it on the dash of your car, and I, I hope you'll remember it, and I hope you'll say it to yourself every day. God and I are a majority. It doesn't matter how big your circumstance, or your problem, or your issue, or, or this thing God is calling you to do that just like, What? Go on a mission trip? Oh my, that's impossible. What? Get the money that I need to, to do this or, or to, to start sharing my faith with this or to start being Christ-like to this person? Or That's impossible. It doesn't exist in God's vocabulary. And no matter how big it may look or how impossible it may look, me, you, you and God are a majority. As a matter of fact, why don't you just say that out loud? God and I are a majority. We say it to him, just say it. God and I are a majority. What if you said that to yourself every day? God and I are a majority. It doesn't matter what my world looks like. It doesn't matter what's coming. It doesn't matter what's in. God and I are a majority. That, that we're, we're all that, that we need to get this done. If God is in it, if God's working and God's moving. Um, okay, I think I've got a, a passage of scripture, don't I? Okay, in Romans chapter 8. Tyler, thank you. Uh, what can we say about all these things? Since God is for us, who can be against us? God did not keep his own son for himself, but gave him for us all. Watch this. Then with his son, will he not give us all things? To paraphrase the apostle Paul, are you insane? Do you think that God would give his son to die a, a horrible, excruciating, painful, humiliating death so that he could defeat death, hell, and the grave for you, but then he's just going to leave you to fend for yourself with the little issues of this life? What in the world is wrong with you? That, Paul didn't say that. I, I added that part. But it's like, what, what, are, what is wrong? Listen, if God did this, don't you think he's going to be in every situation of your life? If you'll walk in obedience, right? Back to that idea. Fear fears my enemy. Fear wants to keep me from moving forward, but I, I push forward in spite of my fear by faith, and I believe God and what he's going to do in my life. That's what it does. Okay, uh, to kind of 
uh, wrap the, the story up in, in, uh, in verse 9. It says, Now the same night it came about, the Lord said to him, and, and this is interesting because, and I mentioned this last week, uh, Gideon asked for th- uh, three signs, and God actually gives him a fourth one that he doesn't even ask for. And so he's going to take on the army, right? It's, it's, it's 300, 300 men to 135,000. And maybe God, I mean, I shouldn't say maybe God anticipates. God, I'm pretty sure God knows everything that's going to happen. So God says, listen, if you're still afraid, why don't you go down to the camp of the Midianites and, uh, and, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll prove to you that, that I'm with you in this. And if you're afraid, take Pura with you. So, uh, now the same night it came about that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it to your hands. But if you are afraid to go down, go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, and you will hear what they say, and afterward your hand will be strengthened, that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now that takes a bit of courage even itself. We're going to go down to the edge of the camp, right? Right? Going down there. Maybe they dressed up like uh, Midianites. Uh, maybe they all dressed the same. I don't know. Uh, uh, but anyway, they go down there, and they're going down to the edge of the camp, right? Now, watch what uh, happens. Uh, oh, sorry. I guess, I, got, I guess I'm bringing you up to speed on that. You go down there, and they hear this dream. And uh, they just get down to the edge of the camp, and this guy's telling him, man, I had the weirdest dream last night. Y'all ever said that? Man, I had the weirdest dream last night. Y'all probably haven't said that, but I bet y'all never said this right afterward. I had the weirdest dream last night. A loaf of bread uh, went rolling down a hill and rolled in and, uh, into camp and knocked over a tent. Y'all ever had that dream? And so they get down there and that's what they hear. A loaf of bread came rolling down, a loaf of barley bread comes rolling down in the camp and it knocks over a tent. Then in verse uh, 14, his friend replied, well, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hands. <laughs> now listen, what, what, what are, how in the world does some guy have a dream about a, a, a bread loaf of bread rolling into a camp and knocking over a tent and then how in the world does he have that dream and his friend interprets that dream and say well pff, i know what that is that's nothing more than gideon coming down and wiping us all out he's, he's going to destroy the the midianites and 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 what in the world how in the world does gideon and pura manage to be there just at the nick of time to to hear this dream and to hear this interpretation how in the world does all of this happen one answer and one answer only and you already know it God, that's right. God, God, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's so, oh, but I don't know how, I don't, eh. and God's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Come here, let me take you over here and hear this dream. <laughs> right? You, you, see what, you see what God's doing? Gideon's stepping, he's crawling, he's taking baby steps, and God's saying, Come on. Come on, come on. I'm going to do some neat stuff with you. Come on, keep, just keep coming, Gideon. Don't turn back. Don't walk away. I'll keep clarifying. I'll keep showing you what I'm going to do. But you've got to keep moving. You've got to keep coming under obedience to me. And, and, and so they hear the dream. They're strengthened by it. Uh, if you've read the story, you know the end of the story. You know how it, how it ends up. The bottom line is just, is just this getting back to this principle of, of understanding that God is God and that God accomplishes what he wants to accomplish and God does the work that, that he knows needs to get done and he uses us when we're willing to, to be used by him to accomplish great and powerful and mighty things. In 2017, whatever's coming in your life, whatever obstacles you face, whatever obstacles this church faces, whatever obstacles your family faces, God has, has a certain prescription for how you are to handle those situations. 
He's already, most everything I can think of is already addressed in his word. So you can go there, that's your first place. You can also get on your face and get before God and talk to him and allow his spirit, if you'll get alone long enough and quiet enough, and I know that's hard for us as Americans, his spirit will impress upon you what, what direction or how this is to proceed or what the case is, he's, he's going to do that in some way. And you and I have to decide, either, either I'm going to move forward in, with my fears, probably with my fears, I'm probably not going to be able to jettison them, but I'm going to move forward in obedience to what God has called me to be, how God has told, called me to be, what God wants me to do. I'm going to move forward in obedience to that, or I'm just going to shrink back into my foxhole where it's nice and safe and just, and just stay here where I don't have to uh, expose myself to the enemy and his attacks. God calls us to so much more. So much more. So much that you could do with your life. Gideon, listen, Gideon could have, absolutely, I, I, I'm sure, it would have been rough, it would have been tough, but Gideon could have lived his life out as some type of farmer guy. He would have lived under the oppression of the, the Midianites and, and, and all that stuff. Maybe he could have had a, a family, I don't know. Maybe he could have eked out some sort of living, I don't know. But it never would have been all that it could have been. He never would have had the, the purposes and plans fulfilled in his life. He never would have experienced the power of God in such a tremendous way in his life. He never would have enjoyed the peace and the, the assurance that comes from knowing I'm doing exactly what God wants me to do in this moment in my life. He would have missed all of that if he'd have listened to his fears and been unwilling to move forward. Your obstacles, whatever they are, your problems, your issues, they are swallowed up in God's enormity. When, oh, when will we believe that? Truly believe, God, you can do anything, you can work it out, you can accomplish it, and I will believe you. I'm scared to death, God, but that's what your word says, and so I will believe it and I will move forward. You will not believe what we will see God do in 2017 if we'll believe him to that respect. To God be the glory. That's quite a story, isn't it? It was quite a victory. But if it had been left up to Gideon, it would have never happened. God had to bring Gideon along slowly, confirming to Gideon that he was with him and he was going to accomplish a great victory. What about you? Are there things God has called you to that you have doubts about or have been unwilling to move towards? Or do you struggle with wanting to see your own plans for life fulfilled and haven't really been willing to be open to what God might want to do through you? God can use us to accomplish things through our life that we will never do on our own. There are plenty of rich and famous people in this world who have done things on their own, but is there any lasting eternal value to it? God wants to use each of us to accomplish things of eternal significance. How about it? Are you ready to say yes to whatever God wants to do? If you're willing, God is going to take you on a truly great adventure through life. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting 
If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable for every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice real. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where they will find what they're searching for. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. A new church for people like you. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.